welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. An important update from last week's show, they were actually playing Uno Wild. He wasn't cheating wild. Right. <laughs> After the, after the show, I said, hey, this guy's cheating. And then they said, no, it's Uno Wild. They're all wild cards. It's just about punishing the other people. That, I, you know, I've played a lot of Uno in my day. It, it's, it's among my favorites. I couldn't imagine playing all wilds. That doesn't sound fun. Let me tell you something about my wife. If there was a Skipbo Tournament World Championship... My wife could win it. Everybody else is playing for second. Yes. she. We used to have the Game Boys yeah. that would link up to one another, and they had Skip Bow on the Game Boys. And so we would turn something on the TV and sit there and play Skip Bow on our Game Boys against each other. If I won one out of every 20... And I'm convinced more than often, more often than not, she just felt sorry for me. And threw one for you? Yeah, but if you sit down, and, and she's fancy about it, she'll be sitting there, and you'll say, I'm out of cards. And she'll say, yeah, I ran out eight hands ago. Right. <laughs> oh, she, she, she gets cocky. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah, Uno Skip Boat, good cigar shop games. Yeah, I've, I've played uh, Uno at cigar shops and bars a lot. They're great. It's highly portable. It's, it's really great if you've got an odd number of people so that no one feels like a fifth or seventh or third wheel. Yeah, Uno, Skipbo, both good, good cigar shop games. Um, Domino's is good, but people can get too serious about Domino's. Well, and so Domino's is one of those things. It's like a biscuit recipe. Everyone's... It's all the same base ingredients, but everyone puts them together a little different. Everyone, the rules you played up growing dominoes under are different than the rules everybody else played. It's weird how such a simple game can have so many variations. I am not sure. One of the things that will always amaze me about humanity is that Monopoly has lasted long as it has. Right. Because that's the worst game. Is okay, son. We're going to play Monopoly. Louis C.K. has a bit about this, but the gist of it is, yes, yeah, son. We're going to play Monopoly. Oh, okay. When's it over? Um, when I run out of money? No. When you everything you own is in hock and when, you're in jail, right? <laughs> and I've got hotels built rolling over you. <laughs> See, it's interesting because I find the game of life to be incredibly, incredibly boring because there's no skill involved. You know, whether you choose to go left or right a couple of times is the only thing you do to change the outcome of that game. Everything is decided by that spin of the Wheel of Fortune wheel in the middle of the board. And how has Hungry Hungry Hippos made it this far? That's a well, stupid see, I, game. I enjoy it. It's All you do is push, the, push yeah, but, the hippo over and over again. But it's great when you've got young kids who just get excited. And just sit there and, and smack just sit the hippo. There and smack. It's, just, it's, fun. it's not like you're going to sit there and do a tournament over it, but... The, the most stressful Uno game we ever owned. Have you ever owned Uno Attack? Well, yes. And you have to push the button, and you push the button, it determines if it's going to shoot cards at you or not. And it, it's really stressful. Yeah. And, and I like my wife got to where she would push the button very gently like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because I just reach up there, smack, smack, smack. Okay, next. <laughs> right. It's either going to go or it's not. Yeah. It, but she would re- creep up on it and kind of ambush the Uno attack. Did you ever play Crocodile Dentist? 
No. So the the idea was it was this spring-loaded crocodile, and the bottom row of teeth, You there was some... It, it was kind of like Jenga in that you just chose one and you pulled it. One of them was attached. Right. And it would snap down on you, and that's if that happens, you lose. And But... The travel version is what we played because all of the teeth stayed in the head. So right. You could, and you could wiggle it a little bit. And oh, no, no, I'm not going to uh, pull that one. I'm going to pull. <laughs> yeah, Jenga is another good one because there are there are Jenga virtuosos. Have you noticed that there's people that can just gra- that just Jenga is their thing. They can pull a piece from anything. We played with a realtor one time. I swear she could pull them out of the middle with nothing on the sides, and the thing just dropped down and stay. I've done it. <laughs> I my ex roommate, who you know, and I were at a bar one time, and it was like it was like brunch after church, whatever. The place was packed, and it was taking forever to get our food. And they had one of those patio Jenga sets, and. You know, the rules for Jenga are if you touch one, you have to do it. Right, that's true. And you can only use one hand at a time. But the patio Jenga, we were, we play a little fast and loose. We say, sure. okay, you can use two hands. And w- at one point, we had, you know, the bottom four layers, and we had one single centerpiece, and then one single centerpiece parallel sitting right on top, and then the rest of it, because we had pulled all of right. them out from in between. It was it was like an hour and no one won. I certainly hope you said "ta-da" when you did that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope at the end of that you said "ta-da." Uh, the, there were people, I, and I, I hate when people say this because it, it means the story didn't happen. People actually clapped. There were <laughs> people watching us playing, going like hooping and hollering and stuff. It was that's what happens when you do stuff like that at a bar, though. People are usually deep enough that they yeah, they're they're further enough into their cups that they know. Yeah. Well, the, well, this is not the Hasbro. Today's <laughs> cigar cast sponsored by Hasbro <laughs> and Milton Brothers. This is not the Hasbro cast. This is the cigar cast. So, what are you smoking, Trey? As I, if I don't know, I am smoking uh, Perdomo twelve year age sun grown, uh, which you were kind enough to donate to the cause. I am, let's see, it is uh, wrapper, binder, and filler from Nicaragua because it's Perdomo, so everything's from Nicaragua. Uh, sun-grown wrapper, which they do better than anybody else in the industry. This is a cigar. If you haven't had one of these cigars by now, you, you're not going to. Well, that's the Churchill size, and Perdomo has figured out Churchill. They do a little bit bigger ring gauge than most churches. Exactly. And so you basically get a Toro and a half length. Yep. What I end up telling people, you know, we always, when we're sitting here and we're talking about what cigars are selling, they'll say, well, the Churchill size is selling great. And I say, wait, that that metric is skewered because we sell a bunch of Perdomo. And at the end of the day... Perdomo keeps the lights on in this place. Perdomo keeps the doors open, keeps the lights on in this place. At the end of the day, Perdomo's run this shop. And on, that's just the palette of the shop. Um, that's the 12-year. Now, that's not available in every store. That we had to get, you know, when you walk in, you see the wall of Perdomo. Right. That's because we had to order so many facings just to get the 12-year. And... Coming soon, a very special Perdomo that only like 30 shops in the country have, and we're going to have it. Oh, I didn't realize you guys were on that list. Yeah, coming soon. It's not It's not all ink. Right, the, yeah. The ink hasn't dried yet on that deal, but the um, but 
I love the sun. The Perdomo twelve year old sun grown is definitely my favorite Perdomo. I had one in my in my pack just for that occasion. Yeah. Um, I love the Churchill size. It's a good long smoke. It's never disappointing. It's never going to blow your mind. But when you're just chilling with the guys, talking about Bigfoot, the the Perdomo 12-year sun-grown. Yeah. They're they to put me into marketing. Right. When chilling with the guys, discussing the viability of Sasquatch in the United States, <laughs> he reached for the Perdomo 12-year-old sun-grown. <laughs> And I all. think that's your allotment of saying Bigfoot in the shop for the week. You might want to be careful. Yeah, yeah, you notice everybody's ears perked up and they all looked at me when I said that. It's true. So I'm smoking the Camacho Corojo BXP. I've said it before. The box press is the shape this cigar should have always been. You know, we both have. And I was amazed when that cigar came out how much better it was than its traditional counterpart. You know, the thing with the box press is it's usually a little looser rolled, and that's not a strong box press in terms of, you know, it doesn't have the crisp, you know, iron starched edges like a dress shirt. It's it's mostly round, but they've just figured out the blend just that little bit better and how to construct it that I do think it's definitely that the the right shape and size for that cigar. Now that's the Gordo, right? That's a six by sixty, I think. Which the other thing I like about their box press, or the BXP they call it, is you can get away with a sixty ring gauge and it doesn't feel like a sixty ring gauge. Right. Because it's box pressed, it doesn't feel like you gotta unhinge your jaw to smoke it. Right. Um, it's a good 6 by 60 It's a great flavor. It's a great long smoke, much like the smoke you got in your hand. Yeah. It's it's a smoke that can last you a while and that you can just enjoy at your leisure. If you're, having, if you're watching a football game, a baseball game, you're talking to the guys, and you're just having good times, and you don't want to constantly be switching cigars out, which, by the way, I do have to comment on this because we're going to have Willie on the show one day. Willie who owns one of the owners here at the cigar shop has developed in my opinion the perfect system i'm helping him hone it out all right he told his doctor his doctor said how many cigars do you smoke a week and he said three (laughs) now he works because if you don't wait more than 30 minutes between cigars it counts as one oh no no that, that that's for amateurs his system is much superior to that so his system is if you smoke a whole cigar that's one cigar now, if somebody gives you a cigar, that don't count against your daily total. Okay. And if you give someone a cigar, that, that adds you, back you, one. you deduct one from your daily total. Sometimes he leaves here negative cigars for right. the day. How many did you smoke today? Negative five, honey. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really getting this, and we're honing this system out. I'll have to hone like this it. out and write a paper on this for the Cigar Journal. I like it. <laughs> on, the, on the official Willie Score Your Cigar system. Because, of course, you know, a Robusto doesn't count as a whole cigar. Right. <laughs> it only no, counts as a it, partial cigar. Yeah, two Robustos is one Toro. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> but this Camacho, I mean, it's just a good, steady smoke. It's a, the, my only complaint is it does take a little bit longer to sm- to light it. Yeah. And all because of the shape, and that's why you had to filibuster a little bit earlier when I was trying to do hey, that. I thought I did all right. Hey, filibuster for another minute. Yeah. No, the, um, oh man, I had something until you brought up the filibustering. 
no, the other thing I like about that cigar is I remember complaining about it about three years ago because of a price increase, but they haven't really had a substantial one because it, you know, it, three, four, five years ago, it was a great $8 stick and then it became a $10 stick. And I was like, it's not a $10 stick. It's still a $10 stick. And now it's gone back into being part of the fold. Yeah. You know, I wonder sometimes about that when launching a cigar, is it better to launch it a little high and not have to raise it the next year? Or because nothing makes a cigar guy matter than when they release a cigar and it's a great $8 or $10 stick. And then it jumps to $2 more the next year. Right. Then it, then it kind of starts, starts creeping up. Do you think it's better to start a little high and let the market catch you? Or do you think it's better to get them in people's hand and get them where they like them and then they can justify the extra expense? I, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it depends on who you are as a brand. You know, Camacho had a lot going for them at the time. You know, they had, you know, they'd been under the Davidoff banner for you know probably four years at that point. People knew the cigars, and so that was it was it was fine. If you're a boutique, though, let's say you're Cavalier Geneva, and you overprice your your place in the market by two dollars, no one's going to touch it. Yes, I agree. I, I agree. You've got to come out of the gate. I would rather try to explain to people, hey, do you like the cigar? What are you going to do with the $2? Right. Or, hey, um, if you still if it's a $10 cigar now and it was an $8 cigar, well, if you buy a box, you get 20% off. So you could just buy them by the box. and Because so, most cigar companies, it's going to give you 20% right. off when you buy a box. Yeah. Pretty much. I think that's an industry standard. standard. Yeah. So I think that's a... Um, I think that's a good way to do it is it's better to come out low and then raise up than it is to come out high and wait for the market to catch you. Yeah, I, I think so too. Most of the time, because I would almost say that that's part of why Illusione is still kind of where they are in the humidor for most places because they started high and they're great cigars, but there are also really great cigars at that same price point that you're more familiar with. And I think they would probably be a much bigger brand if they had not started top of the mark for what the market would would uh, would uh, tolerate for their sticks. Well, and I also feel like Illusione, one, I feel like they, they suffer from the Tatawahe syndrome. It's they're, too hard to tell them apart. And the yeah, they're not a flashy. Bland. They're yeah. pretty. They're pretty bland in there. And also, I don't think they do a great job training their reps because Illusione has so many cigars. Yeah. And you know, when we sat down with them at the show, there was so many cigars in their their canon. Yeah. That you just couldn't decide, okay, what am I going to carry? And what are you going to be able to do? And how am I going to be able to trade this out? And how's this? Yeah. You know, it was just kind of overwhelming. If anybody ever needed to do a brand split a la forged yeah. cigars that kind of way, I think it's Illusione. I think they should have Illusione and Illusione 2 or Use Your or Illusion or something. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think they need to do something like that. But speaking of which... Which is funny because I don't think of them as having a particularly large portfolio because you just don't ever see the full line represented anywhere. Foundation Cigars. This is from Cigar Journal. Foundation Cigars introduces Charter Oak, Pegnataro, and Pasquale. Did I pronounce Pasquale right? Yeah, probably. So, Charter Oak, everybody that 
knows us knows our our affinity, affinity. for yeah. Charter Oaks. They're introducing two new cigars, the Pegnataro and the Pasqual, and the Pegnataro is going to be a Connecticut shade, and the Pascal will be a Connecticut broadleaf. Don't we already have a Connecticut broadleaf Charter Oak? Yes. So what's this one going to do that the other one don't? Well, I'm sure the blend is different underneath it. You know, Charter Foundation is such a tough company for me. Because they already have a Connecticut shaded, too. Yeah. I love their rep. I don't like their cigars and their company as a whole. But they're, they got one of the best reps in the business. Oh, I yeah. think the world of him. I like him a lot. But I just don't like their cigars that I'm, well. It's a shame because I really do like their cigars. I... I would like them and smoke them a whole lot more if they were a dollar and a half cheaper. But that's why that's part of why I like the Charter Oak so much, is because it fills that that need. Well, stand back. They're fixing that for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, these cigars are going to retail at $13 a stick. And when I seen this article, it's been probably a year since I bought a Charter Oak, so I had to ask you, have Charter Oaks gone up in price, or is this a jump? No, I was over at the old shop on Friday, and... It was, they were still about eight fifty. I mean, so they've gone up a little bit, but not. They haven't jumped. So I think you know we were talking about this a little bit before the show. You know, the blind man's bluff from Caldwell is another situation where you know the the line averages around thirteen to sixteen dollars, and so that's their budget offering. And because the blind man's bluff is around nine bucks, so it's similar in price to the Charter Oak. And then they came out with a special release uh, about three months ago called the Toro Deluxe, which is $13. So it's almost exactly what we're seeing here with Charter Oak and Foundation. And I think what it is, is them trying to prepare their smoker base for price increase. Probably, you know, here's, and here's the facts. Cigars are going to go up in price just like everything else. You know, yeah. the inflation is real. It happens. Um, it's been a little out of control yeah. by a large margin. I'm, I'm being generous by saying a little out of control because I don't want to get into a political discussion. But cigars are always going to be creeping up in value. You know, used to the $20 cigar was the, oh, wow, I'm never going to pay $20 for a cigar. And when the distance between 12 and 20, I can understand that. Right. But now that the distance is from 16 to 20... It's a smaller jump. Not as big a deal. So I think that's the nature of the beast, and I think that's what they're trying to do here. I think they will probably see a price increase on the baseline Charter Oaks. I think so, too. Or are they going to phase out the traditional Charter Oak Connecticut and the traditional Charter Oak Broadleaf? I I don't think they will, just because... I bet they will continue to produce those cigars as long as they have the tobacco for them because it's an entry point to foundation for a lot of folks. You know, so many people come in, the first foundation cigar they ever smoke is either the Tabernacle or the Charter Oak, and they go up from there. Yeah, and I, and I hope it's not the Tabernacle. <laughs> you know, there's so, and everybody here at poker kind of knows me at this point. They know my way because they, we started the new poker system last week. And they said, oh, what do you think of this cigar? And one of the cigars in the pack was a, um, they had a Gigante and the other one. Epernay? No, it was, it was something else, something I didn't like. I love the Gigante. It was something I didn't like. 
And they said, what do you think of this cigar? And I never want to say, oh, that's a bad cigar. Oh, it was a PDR. Okay. And I said, some people like them. And, of course, immediately they said, oh, so you don't like it. It's like, come on, fellas. I'm trying. Can, can we not have a polite fiction? Can right. we not embrace a polite fiction here and let yeah. me let me just run this poker game and make this work out? And all, but so interesting. I'm glad they're expanding the line. I'd much rather see them expand this line over the upsetters. Have you ever smoked an upsetter? No, I haven't either. Um, the foundation salesman constantly tries to push us to an upsetter, but I've never really smoked one. I've not. I've, I've not. I've barely even heard of them. I think that's a cigar you would kind of have to take the label off and give it to me anonymously, kind of like the cigar we smoked last week, for me to give it a fair judgment. I can I can see that because it's got that kind of Jamaican weird label on it and everything like that, and it's there. It's got a lot of strikes against it already on the front end, so I think you kind of have to ambush me with an upsetter if you if you really wanted me to participate in that. So, last week we started a little thing talking about odd booths at the PCA show. We covered the modular cigar room and cigar in a bottle. So, this week I want to talk about Brizard and Company. B-R-I-Z-A-R-D. Brizard and Company is going to be there. And they have cigar holders and things like that. And the cigar holders, uh, by cigar holders, I mean cigar cases. They call right. them cigar holders, but they're cigar cases. Which their their three finger case is one hundred and fifty bucks. But I lo- I like it. I wouldn't pay that for one. But it's it's all wood. It's got the the gnarl in the you know you can see the grain. It's I, I think it's well done. It's a good looking case, but. The three-finger cases, it's not, you know, I own one of the really nice Fuente ones, and I can count the number of times I've used it on one hand. So, but the thing that really caught me was the luxury eyewear stand. This is so fun. Now, I wear glasses every day, except except on the weekends, but typically during the week, because They've got a special lens coating that filters out the blue light from the computer screens that I stare at all day. And I can only assume this is for people that have readers, that don't wear them all the time. So at 130 bucks for a vertical... So this is basically just a stand that sits on your desk and you stick your glasses in. At 130 bucks. Now, I'm, I'm prone to excess probably more than the average guy. And I'll, you know, I own an expensive cutter. I own an expensive case. I own, I'm, I'm a little prone to excess. I'll admit that about myself, and I'm okay with that. But I cannot see a point in my life where this would be a good idea. Yeah, I, I mean, and I can see, not at that price, but I can see I'm a big fan of having a place for everything and everything in its place. You know, being a big fan of the kit, of the, you know, I... So I get this because if you've ever known anybody who wears readers, they have six pair and they never know where any of them are. So I can kind of understand this as a, I'm just going to have a dedicated place for them where they can't get hurt. They, you know, I always know where they are. But I don't know that, what did that take them, how long did that take them to make that on the lathe? What, 10 minutes? 10 minutes tops. Yeah. Basically, just took a three-finger case and took you could you could you could do this same thing by taking a three-finger case, taking the top off of it, and mounting it to your desk. 
<laughs> well, it's, it's a slightly different shape, but I get your point. So the other thing they have, though, that's neat is they have the Havana Travelers. So they do have the kits. Where I have the Peter James kits, they have their own kits. Havana Traveler Antique Saddle Ostrich, $1,550. That's wild. So this has got a place for your cigars, a place for your lighter, your cutter, and a flask. And it's ostrich. I I love ostrich leather. I really do. Um, but I could not imagine paying $1,600 for one. And the cases are, are gorgeous. They are very attractive. I like that the, the, the case for the cigars sits magnetically in there, so you can actually pull the case out as opposed to being sewn in like it is on yours and mine. Right. I, I think that's a nice little feature, but I don't know that... I don't know that it's worth that much money quite. So, well, since we're talking about cigar accessory companies, the other one, now this company, I will say this, Cigar Life, C-I-C-C-A-R Life, they have a top-level email campaign. Because every, even when it's not showtime, every month I still get an email from them. Yeah. And then during showtime I get a couple a week as they're getting ready to it. Now, they make the cigar mouthpieces. Which we've talked about on the show a lot. And they actually make the prophylactic, the five-piece cigar cigar tips for this. So you can actually put a tip over this cigar mouthpiece. So we've talked about that before. I think we've actually got that backwards. The, The tip pack, I believe, is so that it gets better grip inside the business end. I think that's to hold the cigar in the other end of the mouthpiece. So that's not, if I had one of these and said, oh, wow, this is a great cigar. You want to try it, Trey? I couldn't hand you, hand you the tip and you take a swig off of it. I, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> I don't believe so. I believe this is to get the best possible fit of whatever cigar you're smoking in the mouthpiece. But the, the funny thing they have is they have a ring magnet. And this is $20, and this is just basically a silicone ring that has a magnet in the end. Could you... That's one way to not lose your keys. <laughs> just put a magnet on it? Just... Because you know what that looks like. You know oh, what I'm ab- thinking. Absolutely. As you just dangle the keys. <laughs> just hang the keys off. Of yeah, yeah. It may- hey, check this out, honey. <laughs> well, maybe your gym is in a bad part of town. You don't want to leave your keys when you go into the shower. You just strap the little silicone ring on, magnet. Do you, the- do you think if you did the helicopter that the keys would fly off oh. across the room? Well, you just get the neodymium <laughs> magnets that are oh. really strong. You get the really good ones. Yeah. Okay. Wow, you went a direction with that I'd never thought of. <laughs> I was I was looking at this today, and I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, there's times in my life this would be handy. You know, when I'm yard selling and I've got a cigar in my hand, and I always, I'm a, I'm a very polite person. When I pull up to your yard sale, if I'm smoking a cigar, I lay the cigar down at the car. Yeah. Usually on the hood, you know, so I've got a little groove right there where my windshield wipers lay that's perfect to lay a cigar in. I lay the cigar down, and I walk up and I go to yard sale. When I come back, I pick my cigar up and smoke it. Now, does your wife smoke cigars while you yard sale too, or is she too Oh, she's too focused. Yeah, yeah. She's, she, she's in a fugue state. I've got it. I need to print you one of my 
cigar holders that I've got in my car. I think you would really like that. Well, I could also see this being good on the golf course. Yeah. Because you could just clip it to the golf cart and have a place to lay your cigar. I could see that. I wish it was a little wider. It seems to be a little narrow to hold a cigar. I'm wondering if the intention with this is that you put it around the mouthpiece so it doesn't have to have nearly as much purchase power on the cigar. Okay. But we could do this with a 3D printer and use a non-rubberized... Uh, and make it a little wider. We could, we could, we, we could we, work on that. Could we put a set screw at top so I could j- adjust it for different ring gauges? Yeah, you know, make it kind of like a wristwatch band, only just have a set screw so you could just turn tune down. So if I'm if smoking a robusto, if you make it wide enough, though, if you make it about you know half an inch wide, you probably don't need it. Yeah, probably could. We could probably three D print something like this, but. This is an interesting company that's going to be at the show. I'm I'm probably going to stop at their booth just to touch some of their stuff and see what it is. Yeah. And see what it's like. The but problem is you're going to have to talk to a bunch of people smoking cigars while using the using little the mouthpiece. little mouthpiece. That might be well, hard for you to keep a straight face. I'm I'm going to find out about the silicone thing. Is that prophylactic or does it go inside the holder like you said? Well, I'll find out and re-update you at the at the end of the show. All right, so let's go ahead and make Trey mad before the break. Pledge of Allegiance, shipping now. E.P. Creo's Homage to America, the Pledge of Allegiance, is on its way to cigar shops. So, I... This is just so pandering. Like, who... Are there any... Is there... Like, I don't want to be the person who sees, oh, it's called the Pledge of Allegiance. They're making 1,776 numbered boxes, and it's all just, and and be excited about it and not realize that they're just pandering to who they think cigar smokers are. Now, I'm, I'm not nearly as fired up about this as I was on the way in when I was reading it because I'm now halfway through my second cigar of the night. I've had a chance to calm down. But... I don't, and I might alienate our listener here. I don't understand patriotism for, for things like this. And it, it, this just blind, I have to buy everything that has stars and stripes on it. I, you know, I, I just, I live, eat and breathe the Constitution. Like, I, like I'm not saying I hate our country, not by any stretch of the imagination, but this kind of stuff, it it reminds me of Corolla used to do a thing on his show where he would talk about when people would say, oh, it's my birthday. He goes, who, who gives a shit? What, and he tried to make the accomplishment day a thing. So celebrate the an- anniversary of something you're proud of. You know, I, I don't understand this idea of being proud to be an American. What did you do? Like, I'm... No, I'm now I'm I'm going on the other side of this. I'm definitely I am I I appreciate patriotism. I believe we live in the greatest country in the world, bar none. I'm very proud of it, and I don't mind telling anyone that. And I want to live that way. Now that being said, this is this is kind of like holy smokes. I don't think you should be using my patriotism as a method. Patriotism as a method to sell your cigar. Well, and that's that's really what what got me fired up in the first place. Is it's it's pandering, it's condescending, 
it's just, I don't, I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being proud to be an American or anything like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with seeing the warts and all and all, but it just, it's not some, I, I've, I don't know that it's something to be proud of when I haven't done anything to make it what, like, I, I had no choice in where I was born. Hey, you see the amount of taxes I pay every year? I got every right. <laughs> the The amount of funding of this system that I put forth, and I do vote. I do do patriotic things. You know, I do think it's patriotic to vote. I think you're participating in the system. Whether, you know, now, I would love to one day vote for somebody I actually wanted to be president or wanted to be an official instead of just picking the lesser of two evils. Right. But the system probably is never going to be that way. There's probably never going to be. I, I would love to go back in time and see if people that voted for Ronald Reagan, because arguably one of the greatest presidents ever, um, if they were excited that, yes, this is the man I want to lead us. I, I, I'll have to talk to my dad about that and see when he voted for Reagan how he felt about that. Well, and it's like, you know... Wh- was it FDR's second term that he got like 85% of the vote? Like we'll never see that kind of thing happen ever again. I, I, I would like to, I would like to be able to participate in something like that. I think that would be cool. I just, I don't like when things are marketed at just the lowest common denominator. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of the, it's the low hanging fruit. This is definitely low hanging fruit that EP Creo is coming out with. Now here's a question. When they created the pledge and they created the allegiance, did they have this cigar in mind or is this a deal where one day they woke up and said, hey, we got a pledge and an allegiance. Why don't we combine them and make a pledge of allegiance? Oh, I, yeah, I absolutely think this was from day one. <laughs> you think this was planned out from the from the get-go? <laughs> well, I mean, pretty sure they'll, um, next they'll come out with the bill and then they'll come out with the rights and then they'll come out with the Bill of Rights. Well, but I will say this about them. I do like they didn't put an American flag on it because that is a violation of the flag code. So they did honor that part of it. They made the label classic. The label looks classy. It doesn't look, you know, overly done. Right. If you just seen this and you seen the, you didn't have the, the story of it, you'd probably smoke it. This is probably something that someone would smoke. Not necessarily you, but someone would smoke... Um, it's rolled in the Tapaca Lacera La Lanzia in the Dominican Cigar Factory. And it's this is actually made for the company by Oliva Cigar Company. Well, and see, and that's another thing that I think I would I would see a lot less distaste in this if it were made in the US. You know, so it, it just makes it clear that there's nothing of substance behind this other than just trying to appeal to who they think cigar smokers in this country are. So the it's the marketing scam that you don't like. Mostly, yeah. Well, I think they did it as well, which, I mean, we don't bitch about the Camacho Liberty. Uh, I, I, I don't ever see it, and I've never smoked it. I've, I've never smoked one because the price is, you know, and they come in a coffin, and I hate a cigar that comes in a coffin. Yeah. Um, but it's kind, that's kind of this same theory. You know, so EP Creo, it's not like they're tilling new ground here doing this. No, but I, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not a matter of where I'm overlooking one person who does it and, and throwing stones at EP over here. 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to bounce this off of a couple of guys here at the shop, a, p- a couple of the type of guys that are big patriots. Well, then that's a skewed sample size. Well, and you at your next communist meeting, you can sit down and bounce it off of the commies and we'll see what the different perspectives yield unto this, you know, next time y'all are at the at the red room. <laughs> doing that we'll see which way that turns out you know this is all well and fun and we're joking and having fun but you have turned so many people who actually believe that that's who i am every time i talk to in fact the guy that's sitting out there right now actually believes that i'm a like die died in the wool card carrying marxist because of the jokes you made bolshevik You just you, oh you come need on! You got to finish the line from Mash. Yeah, you, you need to. I don't. You didn't remember when, when um, Klinger said, "I'm a card carrying communist," and Henry said, "Bolshevik." He said, "No, no kidding." Uh, that's <laughs> you. You missed the chance. I, you I totally did. missed the well, chance I, on I that. I didn't pull the the <laughs> reference. Just the word Bolshevik is a is a, a light <laughs> reference. Um, but no, yeah, you've got so many people believing that that's actually who I am. It's. You're going to have to work on that. Well, okay. That's the so, last time I let you be my PR guy. Okay. Well, let, then then allow me to pull the show over and and explain this because I've had to explain this numerous times in this shop because I, I perhaps have portrayed you as a little more communist than perhaps the average Joe would be. There, that, that, I've been guilty of that. Trey and I, as y'all know, disagree on everything especially politics. But the difference in Trey and most of the other people that I disagree with, Trey's never called me a racist. He's never called me a sexist or anything like that. Every discussion we've ever had, regardless of how vehemently we disagree on the subject matter, has always been a gentleman's exchange. Yeah. And I'm glad to have a friend like you that will show me how some of these things that to me seems like there's no sense at all where where you get the logic from it. Now, rarely do I agree. <laughs> Almost never. <laughs> Almost never. But it is nice to be able to have a civil discussion in which two people are on polar opposite sides of the spectrum. Well, and it's it's the reason topics like politics and religion tend to be so divisive is because... Both can be true and untrue at the same time because there's very little database fact. This is the only one true right answer. I have no doubt that every Democrat who's ever been elected president thought he was doing what was best for the country. Now, half of the country may not have agreed agreed with how he was getting there, just like I believe that most everybody in in politics starts out with the idea of this is what I think is best and this is how I'm going to the the issue is not that they're wrong is that that their way of doing things is different from the way I would do it and we've lost that ability to see the nuance in that by and large well but here's the difference here's the difference in the the two sides in my opinion if it works I don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican ideal, but it's got to work. Right. And so many of the left side ideals do not work. 
and they cling to these ideals like, oh, well, the reason it don't work is because you don't think it works. No. Physics are physics. Two plus two is always going to equal four, and some things are going to work, and some things are not. Well, and, and I think... I think the biggest issue we have is that there are some some facets within the political spectrum that do have right and wrong answers. You know, uh, not to get too deep into any particular issue or not, typically when you ban something, you don't get rid of it. You just make the illegal practice more prevalent. And that's a particular topic in this state. I'll leave it at that. Sure. And... So an unwillingness by people to see where, where there is a right and wrong answer and to just dig their heels in and say, no, I'm doing it this way because I believe it's right. But overall, I think overarching, most people do want what's best for the greatest number of people in this country. It's just a matter of we disagree so hard on the best way to get there. Well, and I will say, so we'll t- we'll t- I know which topic you're talking about, and we're going to take a slightly less inflammatory topic. Let's take the legalization of pot. All right. If you told me tomorrow, hey, if we legalize pot, that will get rid of the illegal pot trade, and that will cause it to be a lot less prevalent, and it'll just be like alcohol, it'll just be like tobacco, it'll just be like the other stuff that's out there. And it, as a whole, the legalization of pot will result in a net good, then I would vote for the legalization of pot. Right. But there are people out there that would never vote for the legalization of pot, regardless if you could show them, okay, in this state they legalized it, and look, it dropped. Right. These rates dropped. These revenues came up. It's it, funny you went to the one topic that you and I actually agree on. <laughs> Well, I, I try to say cordial. <laughs> I always try to say cordial in the in the shot. You know, we could argue firearms or something like that, but I'd I'd rather stay cordial. Um, I firmly believe that that should always be the barometer. If it works, I'm in favor of it. I don't care which side provided it. But if it don't work and it's time to take it out back and put a bullet in it, don't hold on to it just because it's your ideal. Don't spend a lot of what what what's the quote? Don't hang on to a bad idea just because you spent a long time making it or something. Absolutely. Like yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm more on that lines of it. But yes, I I will still continue to refer to you as a communist. <laughs> well, you've got a whole lot of people <laughs> believing it's true. So you know, I, I guess if you ever choose to use your powers for evil instead of good, we'll know that there's no end to what you're able to accomplish. Well, it, it's funny because it's a difference, a fundamental difference in who you and I are. Um, if someone doesn't like me, I don't care. I do, and I've never felt the I've never felt the need to argue online with anyone about anything. It's it's so cathartic though. And the thing is, I don't care if if especially arguing online. I really don't care if people don't like me. What I do care about is when people hold intrinsic beliefs about who I am that aren't true. You know, if if there were three guys walking around thinking that you were a vegetarian it would no it wouldn't bother you because you're a golden retriever but there are but i just i don't like people thinking things that are untrue but that's truth is such an intrinsic part of who i am it's part of my integrity it's part of so it 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 matters to me 
Yeah, I'm narcissist enough that I know who I am and I don't care what other people think. That's fine. <laughs> that, so, ma- that makes it easier. So we have pole vaulted clear past the point where we would normally take a break in the show. So I'm going to suggest that we just power through and just get... So what, what's happening here, for those listening, playing the home game, is you're getting the cigar cast after the cigar cast in a way. We've got some topics to hit, but... This is really, this just meandering conversation is a lot, we're, we're recording two this week because we've both got a lot of travel coming up, and, and this is just us just keeping going. I'm kind of excited that we just, I looked down and we were 45 minutes in and we haven't even <laughs> taken a break yet. Well, ultra limited edition of the Leva Serie V, the Roaring Twenties is coming out. Okay. Listener. I cannot believe it took someone three years to come up with a Roaring Twenties cigar in this decade. For a hundred year anniversary? Yeah. I, I get that. I've been waiting for it since 2020. Although, granted, something kind of big happened in 2020 that kind of yeah, changed kinda, our focus distracted. a little bit. Yeah. yeah some distractions <laughs> were, were involved in 2020. So, okay. This is, this is just marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's marketing for the sake of marketing. Um... The Roaring Twenties, I mean, no one is still alive that was alive in the Twenties. Yeah. Uh, not, I, no, okay, let me rephrase that. That was of age. Who do you, yeah, who do you know that was 16 and right. 20 in the Roaring Twenties yeah. that's still alive today? No, that Nobody. Were, that were living in the Roaring right. Twenties. Yeah, there's yes. people that say, oh, yeah, I was born in the Twenties. Yeah. Or, I was born in the Twenties. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's people that were born in the Twenties, but they're not people that were living in the Twenties still alive right. today. And I guess the only piece of that Twenties culture that is even around is the swing dancing. Is that the, is that the only piece of that that's still kind of floating around out there? Swing dancing was a little later. It was kind of 30s, and it, it got its start. So you had the Charleston, which uh, kind of was kind of the precursor. Big band music, which I still listen to. I've got a couple of uh, Glenn Miller records that I put on when we're eating dinner. And, I mean, Art Deco, architecture you still see everywhere. That really came to its heyday in the 30s as well, but it started in the 20s. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of things. There, I guess there would be a couple of estuaries yeah. of that around. But Excellent so, word choice. Well, thank you. So the Oliva Series V, they're going to introduce an ultra-limited edition called the Roaring 20s in a 6x60 Perfecto. Okay, stop right there. In the 20s, most cigars were Perfectos, correct? Yes. And as, as, the, as the size of that goes, so I do acknowledge Oliva for stepping up and doing that part right. The 6x60 does not hold true. Right. But the shape does. I'll give them that. And um, the cigar is going to be, I'm trying to find the blend on this cigar, but they've got everything about the history and the cooperation. Uh, six of them make a unique cigar... All of the revenues from the Roaring Twenties Limited Edition will go to the Oliva Helping Hands Foundation. So it's a charity cigar. Yep. And it, this this foundation goes to improve the lives of rollers and their children in Nicaragua. And, you know, that's a, that's a cool thing that does kind of happen in these. When we went to the Dominican, we toured a rum factory. 
And a lot of the rum factory revenue went to found the school that was actually on the property. Yeah, and we've talked about in the past, you know, the infrastructure that cigar companies bring to their villages. You know, Perdomo famously has built a school in Esteli and built some other stuff. You know, so there's a lot of that that happens here. And I, I really appreciate the cigar industry for that. So... Just real quick, if you look at the last sentence in this article, and this article is from Cigar Journal, CEO Fred, how do you pronounce that last name? Vander Marlieri? Vander Marlier? Vander Marlier? Well, ain't there an extra ER in there? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> an extra I in there. But. but now, of course, this article says nothing about what the blend's going to be. So I guess this is just the regular Siri V in a Perfecto and in the 20s box. Is that what we're getting here? I, I'm guessing so. And especially given the fact that this is a, a charitable endeavor, I can imagine they wouldn't futz with the blend too much. Probably not. They probably didn't want to spend, probably wanted to have more profit to actually give exactly. to the foundation so they didn't spend a lot of time doing that. And I can admire that. Yeah, I, absolutely. I can, get, I can get behind that. So it's a marketing scam, but now that I know it's for a charitable cause, I'm probably a little bit more for it. Probably not as as, as against it as I once was, being being as it is. But now another marketing, uh, marketing eye that's going on right now. Arturo Fuente, Don Carlos, Eye of the Bull. And the Eye of the Bull is a new cigar that they're coming out with. Um, It's named after one of the most prestigious private gentlemen's clubs in the world. The Avante Premier at the Cersei Royale Galois. Galois? But it was present for the first time there. Here's the, here's the heart of this. They don't tell the price of the cigar in this article on Cigar Journal. It's a, but it's a three and a half by 55. Yeah, it's, that's a little cigar. It's that's about a, the size of your thumb. Uh, so a three and a half by 55 is the width of a two before. And 55 being just, you know, short of an inch. You know, not, a, not really a Gordo kind of a Toro, a three-and-a-half-inch Toro. Yeah. You know this thing's going to be 20 bucks. Oh, at least. You know this is going to be 20 bucks. Well, it's and part of the Don Carlos line, so that in and of itself. So are people going to buy this just on the Don Clare, Carlos reputation to say, hey, I have the eye of the bull, or is this going to be the first Don Carlos that flops? It won't flop. It, even if it is a dog turd, it still won't flop. Because their their Don Carlos stuff just doesn't, you know, they only produce it in limited quantities. If you know, it, and I guarantee you, someone at Fuente is watching the secondary market on their cigars. Because I've, I would have to, I don't have any data to back this up, but I would hazard that the Opus X line across all of the various sublines is the most sold cigar on the secondary market. The guys that buy it and, and resell it online and things like that. I guarantee you someone at Fuente is watching those transactions to figure out their production li- limits and things like that. So if this doesn't pop up, they probably will discontinue it the next year. If there's a just mad rush of people desperately looking for and buying it, they might bring it back. Well, the charitable side of me wants to say, okay, 
this was just such a small batch of this extraordinary tobacco that they decided to make it a three and a half by 55 to get it in the most people's hands possible for this ultra small batch. Is that a fair assessment or do you think they just said, hey, let's make it three and a half by 55 and see what happens? I don't know enough about the rolling process, but can you still use, like, can you use the same wrapper leaf to make two cigars in that size? Or do you just have more waste? Because that... Because part of me wonders, I mean, because you're right, maybe they can take a smaller amount of tobacco and make more. And for the binder and filler, sure, that's true. But for the wrapper, I wonder if you if you have the opportunity to stretch that or if you're just still making one cigar per wrapper leaf. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to break up. So moving up, I want to talk about another one of these unique vendors at the PCA show this year. Integra Specialty Products. So this is the company, you know, okay, let me, let me preface this by, this, by saying this, because I know this answer is universal. If there was any one thing in the cigar industry that you wish you invented to become a billionaire, what would it be? Uh, I'm assuming this is what we're talking about. No. Oh, I don't have that one pulled up then. Oh, okay. okay. The butane torch lighter. Oh, no. No. The Bovita Pack. Oh, yeah. Is there anything in the world that more people use, that more people buy, that more people give away, that costs less to produce yeah. than the Bovita Pack? Is that, there is there anything good. in the world you would rather have been... That still has enough of a patent or a trademark established to it that they're the only ones doing it. Right. So that brings us now to Integra, who actually has created their own type of Bovita packs. They're, they're stepping up to compete with Bovita. And they do have their 8-gram Integra Boost two-way humidity control. So we, we talked to, as a random conversation with them, we're like, okay, why, is, why would I use this instead of Bovita? And they came out with this about chemicals and salt and all that stuff, and I don't buy that. I mean, the there's no way for the Bovita not to be inert. Well, I mean, it, it, you're, I, I think you're probably right. We could go into the nuts and bolts and is there, but da, 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 yeah, you're, by and large, yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. we, we could probably get a world-class chemist on here. We're talking about naturally distilled water vapor, essentially. Right. Yeah, so we're not talking, so there's no, you know, I'm not sure that there, but one of the things they have that is an interesting twist on this is they have flavored Bovita packs to put in to, to, in order to infuse cigars, infuse cigars. That's the word I was looking for. So, you know, I have some questions about this because, you know, how strong, like when you open the cellophane on that pack, it's got to knock you down, right? One would think. Because otherwise, you're going to end up with the LaCroix equivalent of you've got a cigar that tastes like it looked at a lemon once. Right. You know, it's it was, so it's going to have to be so overpoweringly. So you're either going to have to have as many humidors as you have these different flavors you're, you're infusing, which you should anyway if you're doing something like this. Or you're going to ruin all your cigars. Well, no, you can just put it in a Ziploc bag with one of these. I well, mean, but, you don't have to eat too fancy. No, I'm not. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like a dedicated humidor humidor, but you still have to stack all the Tupperware containers you're using or put all the... Because I would, even if I had that in a Ziploc bag, 
I still wouldn't put it in my humidor. Well, and you know, the flavors they have, they have a lemon flavor. Oh, really? I was just pulling that out of my... Yeah, and then they have an, another flavor here, um, terpene essentials, pinene, so pine flavored. Ugh. So, See, lemon flavor doesn't seem like it would go with a cigar to me at all. No, it doesn't. It, uh, it, you know, everybody in this shop makes a joke out of the fact that I hate key lime pie. Right. I despise key lime pie. Finally, the great taste of an air freshener in pie form. And I, I, everybody in the shop says, oh, you know, and it, it was Ronald Reagan's favorite pie. And how can you hate key lime pie? I just hate key lime pie. I would not want my cigar to taste like key lime pie. In fact, you've done that. <laughs> yeah, we did and have we one of those. it down. It was awful. And I also don't want it to taste like a pine cone. I mean, no. okay, if you were going to do this, would you not try maybe a bourbon, maybe a sawdust, maybe a, a more manly... A less pledge-like flavor. Doesn't even have to necessarily be manly. I mean, it could be blueberry for all I care, but it just needs to be something that's going to enhance or or improve if you're the kind of person who goes for that sort of thing. It has to be something that plays well with the, the tobacco flavor naturally. And lemon and pine just don't. Have you ever been so desperate for a cigar that you looked at the air freshener hanging from your rearview mirror and said, maybe I can roll that up and smoke it? And by the way, is there anything worse than the car air freshener? No. Oh, well, sort of. The car wash I go to is one of those full service. You pay 30 bucks. They vacuum it. They wipe down all the surfaces. It's not a detail, but it's as close as you can get. And it's really reasonably priced for how good a job they do. It they use because they're such a big operation. They use vinegar, right, as their cleaner for all of the inter. So you get in your car and it's been wiped down. It's like I got my car serviced at a fish and chip shop. <laughs> it's awful. The Ford Pickle now being driven by yes. Trey and I. <laughs> and I need to write that down. That's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> the. Yeah, I just see. I hate vinegar. I don't like pickles. I don't like vinegar anything. And so to get in my car and have it smell overwhelmingly of vinegar is just awful. Yeah, I do, that's a that's funny that you say that the way. So yeah, it seems like this company. I don't know. I'm gonna have to stop by and have a sniff. Yeah, I'm gonna have to stop by their booth and pick one up and have a sniff. I'm just curious. And how long do you have to leave it in there for it to infuse? I wonder. I have to yeah. think like six months. I don't know. How long does it take to... I guess it would depend on the cigar. Yeah, probably. You know, if you put... Say you put... You know, if I was going to infuse a cigar, I would get a Monte Cristo White. Because to me, that's as bland and no flavor a cigar as there is made. It's the potato of cigars. Right. It's going to take on... It'll take on whatever you do. And I think that's sometimes why, you know, some guys around here, the guys that are regular Monte White smokers almost always have a whiskey or a cognac or something like that in their hand. And I think that they enjoy the flavor of the alcohol and they don't want their cigar to interfere with that. That makes sense. They're not necessarily pairing so much as just augmenting. Right. So I, I guess that would be it would how long it would take to actually infuse the cigar would entirely depend on how how much time how, how what kind of cigar it was to begin with. So the last article that I want to hit of these strange and unusual vendors 
is Kuba Ocho Museum and Performing Arts Center. Oh, I forgot to pull that one up. <laughs> so you're going to have to walk me through this one blind. So what this is, is Kuba Ocho is a mainstay of the arts renaissance in Little Havana. So this is a company that does cigar type shows. Not necessarily where the cigar is the feature, but where the act is. Yeah. They've got a museum where they show off different history of cigars and all that and everything. This is a it's a inter- it looks like it would be a fun trip. Now where is it located? Tampa, I'm guessing. Miami. Oh, Miami. Oh, you said Little Havana. That's Yeah. Right. And they have their, their menu, they have house specials, they have internet. I mean, it's a bar. They've got a lot of different drinks. Really well, reasonably priced. Fourteen ninety six for a pina colada. That's about right these days. Yeah, that's a that's about what it is. I don't they got their old fashioned bourbon whiskey sugars and bitters, fourteen seventy six. They got they got their menu on here and then they got their wide list. And things like that. Oh, fried pork chunks of plantain fries. Mm. That would be good. <laughs> so what is this company doing at PCA? <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering, too, because it's a, it's a location. It's not a product. So how are you going to... Is is this the... Are we trying to create the cigar destination? But Maybe. The PCA is not for customers. The PCA is for, for, for cigar vendors. I don't know. I wonder how many cigar shops are doing travel agency kind of stuff with cigar tourism. Like, you know... There, there are plenty of shops that do the, you know, trips down to, you know, Nicaragua and do the factory tours and stuff like that. But I could easily see this shop in particular saying, hey, five guys, we're going to go down to Miami and we're going to go to this shop and that shop and we're going to do this. Like, I could see... Oh, we, well, we've discussed it in here before, putting together an Ebor City trip. Yeah. Hey, on one day we're going to go to 7th Avenue and smoke and while we're down there, J.C. Newman's got us a, a t- factory tour set yeah. up. And that's that's not a tough putt. Getting to Tampa is not a hard putt. Yeah, and, um, and Miami's a great city. I love Miami. Uh, Miami's okay. I like Tampa better. Well, I I believe <laughs> that. I've not been to Tampa, and uh, I enjoy Tampa. But I could see the the cigar tourism, and I guess that must be what this is about. They must be trying to create these. So I, I guess I would have to stop by their booth. Yeah, and see Just see what they're all about. Yeah, see if they're offering a tour package. You know. Something something like that, you know, because a, a great trip to Tampa. If I was going to schedule a cigar trip to Tampa for me and the guys, we'd hit the Newman factory, we'd hit 7th Avenue, we'd have a day of deep sea fishing, and then be able to fly back. Yeah. And I could see that being, because that's all cigar-friendly right. type arrangements. So that must be what they're trying to do here. That must have something to Still do with that. Still weird that they would be at PCA with that. That, that is odd. They, I, I don't know. I've got to see what their hook is. I'm going to yeah. have to, because they don't do a good job in the article of explaining what their hook is. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to have to stop by and kind of see what their hook is on this. So tell me about the Perdomo 12th anniversary. Um, or 12 years, excuse me. Tw- yeah, it's... It's really good. It's I, you know I'm on a I'm on a dirty palate, so it's the thing I like about Perdomo is that they play that second fiddle really well. You know, it's a great follow up cigar if you're if you're going back to back. Something I've noticed about Perdomo lately, and granted, it's late. It's almost nine o'clock, and I haven't had dinner yet. So, but I've noticed to be medium cigars, typically in flavor. They pack a lot of a nicotine punch. Like they will, they will 
get me sort of feeling the strength of the cigar more than most other companies? Well, so my appreciation of Perdomo has gone up greatly in the past year. I've probably gone further to liking Perdomo than any other cigar company in the past year. Um, One, because it is such a big cigar here at the shop. Two, our local rep, Rob, is amazing. Yeah. He's a great guy. Three, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Nick Perdomo. No. And, you know, I met Nick Perdomo in passing one time, but I'm looking forward at the show to sitting down and smoking a cigar with him and his son and just talking to them about it. Yeah. And I've... Would it be insulting to ask when they're going to do something that knocks my socks off? Yes. Think that would be insulting? I think it would. I, I wonder if there's a way I could tailor that question where I could... There is. The Cabinet Selections Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that cigar? No. I remember it was the silver label, so it looked like the champ- The label was the- identical to the camp- champagne, but it was silver. You ask anybody who's been smoking Perdomo for a while, they will tell you that's the best cigar they ever made. And they re-released it about six years ago in a petite Corona size because that was all they had the tobacco left that they could do anything with. But I remember when I first started smoking, you could get it in a Toro, and it was in-freaking-credible. So ask them about the cabinet. So, So say, as I'm sure you've heard before, the cabinet selection Cameroon was the best cigar you guys have ever made. Is there anything on the roadmap to get close to that again? Okay. That probably would be a good way to phrase it. That's, that's one of the things I've got to think to and talk to them about. But that cigar, what would you rate it? Probably a six. It's a solid six. And yeah. But the thing is, so here's the interesting thing about that Perdomo. It's a six. Every to, Perdomo yeah. is a six. Tomorrow, that cigar will be a six. Right. Ten days from now, that cigar will be a six. Ten years from now. It'll be a six. Yeah. It's not one of those cigars. Sometimes we rate a cigar on here and we're like, ah, I give it a five and a half, but you might could talk me up to a six or you might could talk me down to a five. No, that's a six. Yeah. That, that cabinet selection Cameroon, that was a seven. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll have to ask them about that and see what gets close to that. Yeah. And I hope they don't say the lot 23. Um, <laughs> they won't. They, they know. They know the lot 23 is their worst cigar, don't well, they? No, but they, they know how good that, that Cameroon was. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll have to ask them about that. The Camacho BXP is perfect. It was the perfect cigar for this moment in that we had already smoked one. We had had a great cigar. We were sitting here having the show after the show, just kind of chatting. If the mics hadn't have been on and I hadn't have put the headphones on, this is the cigar I'd have picked up anyway. Yeah. So just a great, just a solid six every time, all the time. They've done very well in the shop here. I was, we had the So we had the regular Corojos, and they hadn't moved real good. So I had to do a little bit of campaigning to get the BXP brought in. Did it move the regular ones too? Uh, no, we kind of sold out of the regular ones. It was time to reorder. And the the amount of time it had took the regular ones to sell out gotcha. was in excess of what it should have been. I wasn't sure if if you still had some left over and this kicked those off the rest of the way. No, we, I think we knew better than that. And so when he asked about the Camacho, I said, do you have the BXP? And he said, yeah, I can get you the BXP. So he brought us the BXPs, and I think they've been Have you had the Ecuador BXP? Yeah, it's good. That's even better than that one, I think. 
I like the Corojo better than the Ecuador, but I like the Corojo better than the Ecuador, period. Okay. See, I like the Ecuador better than the Corojo. Okay. Yeah, it's just a palette thing. Yeah. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and thank you.